Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. I think my brain is properly mushed up for this from watching Ancient Aliens. Yeah, how much Ancient Aliens have you been watching? How much? Specifically for this episode, at least two. Okay. They were like very condensed. I wanted the nitty gritty. I wanted the juicy center bits. So I found like the clips. You have to experience it in its totality. You can't just... I know, the entirety. Yeah. There was a special on National Geographic on Atlantis that I saw right before we started recording. So unfortunately, if you have seen that special on Atlantis from National Geographic, I will not be discussing what they covered. Because it's too much hard science. It was like 50 minutes. Yeah, there's plenty of those documentaries where I'm like, I'm sure this is going to be an interesting historical perspective on the myth of Atlantis. But I would much prefer watching this really janky YouTube video of a conspiracy (laughs) theorist talking about it for 10 minutes. Right. And then watch 10 of those. So it ends up being significantly longer than the original documentary would have been. Yes. (laughs) We're not geniuses. We're pretty close. Also, hi, welcome to our podcast, According to an Idiot. Welcome, welcome. As you can assume, we we will be talking in a bit about the legend of Atlantis. Yeah, the legend. Myth of Atlantis story. Myth sounds too fake. We want to lead them in and make them think that maybe it is... Legend. Legend, yeah. Because it is legendary, right? People all over the world know about it. Yep. Anyways, hi, I'm Mo, and I'll be telling you about it. (laughs) Hi, I am Jeremy, and I will also be telling you about it. Sticking it to you. I think this, <laughs> this is like the earliest, I think, in any recording we've ever introduced ourselves. Yeah, probably. Yeah, normally it's like 50 minutes, minutes in and yeah. then I have to take it in editing and put it in the front. <laughs> yeah, so here we are. We're, we're back again after we've been having these on and off hiatuses. Hiatuses? Yeah, Hi- sure. Hiatus. What's the plural of hiatai? Hi. We've been having a lot of hiatus lately. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> oh, gosh, I feel like we're constantly apologizing. And you know what? I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of apologizing. It is what it is. We're this way. I will not apologize for who I am. You're ADD. I'm ADHD. Sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah, you're HD. I'm standard definition. <laughs> I'm a solid state driver. Is there a difference? ADD and ADHD? I thought it was all condensed into one thing. Well, ADD is attention deficit disorder. ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I am hyperactive, where you're not necessarily hyperactive. Okay. But you are attention deficient. Sorry. Yeah, thank you for reminding me and the audience of that. So (laughs) when you are distracted, one of the symptoms is that you rock climb. Mm-hmm. And when I'm distracted, one of my symptoms is that I sit in my car and I just devour McDonald's oh. secretly away from my home so my girlfriend doesn't know about it. <laughs> I do that too. It's <laughs> <laughs> because we're both deficient. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm cheating on everybody I love. I'm just like, I'm going to go to McDonald's and just eat three McDoubles and then almost vomit. <laughs> All right. I'm a horrible human being in the way that I go around to everyone. I'm like, yeah, I try really hard to be vegan. And, you know, I don't cook any meat and I don't buy any meat. I try not to. And then I secretly will drive to McDonald's in the middle of the night after a closing shift and then just eat it and throw away the evidence. No one knows. As long as you throw it out in a garbage can that's not near your house, Mm -hmm. preferably the one at the end of the McDonald's driveway that 
garbage can with an extra long chute that you can shove your trash into. Right. Maybe like find a dumpster somewhere or just like go into your garbage when your roommate or lover or whoever is mm-hmm. not near and dispose of the evidence like a body. Right. It always feels like I did a murder. Right. Because you have to look around and make sure no one's witnessing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. My biggest fear is being caught when I'm looking around. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that shitty side to side eye look. Someone's going to see me and be like, you're doing something bad. I can tell because you're looking side to side. (laughs) Because if you literally just went and threw it away, no one would care. No one would because you look confident. But you have to like hunch over it and like. (laughs) Smell it one last time and then throw it away. (laughs) Lick your finger and get up all the salt. (sighs) There's still some good stuff in here. God, you're making me want fucking McDonald's now. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I also want some. Anyways, this is not an ad for McDonald's. This is no. This is shame. This is shame that you're listening to. Oh, I got something else shameful for you. So I'm going to make this a science corner because I want it to be. (gasps) Oh, my God. It's been such a long time since we've had a science corner. Right. It's going to be absolutely rancid. You're going to hate it. But you are going to try it. Okay. So it's going to be fun. Let's roll the intro. Science is cool. And today we are cool. Ooh, science. So, Jeremy, you strike me as an educated individual in the performance art of coitus. Yeah. <laughs> I've had it a time or two. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about erogenous zones. So okay. do you know what an erogenous zone is? Yes. It is a part on your body that makes you mm-hmm. get hard. Yeah. Or if you're a woman, the other thing. Sexually charged areas. <laughs> yeah, that's better. That's better. <laughs> Sexually charged, not hard. <laughs> The areas on the body that have more nerve endings generally. So there are like primary erogenous zones and secondary erogenous zones. Primary are like genitals, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. that coochie meow meow um, <laughs> is going to like being touched and that will sexually charge you, right? Yeah. Things like the nipples, the lips, stuff like that are like primary mm-hmm. erogenous zones. Uh, secondary ones are not areas that necessarily have like heightened nerve endings specifically linked to you know sexual areas but nonetheless will stimulate you right okay so things like the ears right so if you're like nibbling the ears whispering in the ears that can do it if someone gives you a wet willy yeah in the middle of science class it's all happened to one of us (laughs) what's the um blowing raspberries right if you blow raspberries on the nape of the neck that does it too on the nape of the neck blowing raspberries on the nape of the neck i'd never heard of that being a thing Blowing raspberries is like, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Why would you do? For those of you who can't picture this, it's when you like blow out your mouth with your tongue and it sounds like an old jalopy from an old cartoon. Or it's like, yeah, like when parents terrorize their kids, right? And they just like do the, I can't do it. I don't know how to blow raspberries. Yeah. That's not a raspberry. No, it's not quite. A raspberry, I think it's just with the mouth and tongue or like a. No, it's like you. Do that. You're thing. doing that. You, so you're doing that on someone's <laughs> neck when you're intimate. I was I was being a bit uh, silly about it, but <laughs> the nape of the neck is one. But you should try and blow raspberries there because I bet it would be really saucy and your partner would really enjoy it. Sauced up. So ears, nape of the neck, things like the inner part of the thighs, right, are secondary erogenous zones. But there are some other ones that you wouldn't necessarily think about. Fingertips. Fingertips. Okay. You're sucking on a fingertip. Right? Okay. And okay. staring someone in the eye. It's an erogenous zone. <laughs> yep. The scalp can be one if you like totally. kind of massage it, right? Yeah. The stomach 
If you kind of like smack it, mess with like that, bongos. the inner part of the wrists, wrists, the buttocks. Absolutely. Asshole, prostate, yeah. all those. Right? All of those are great. <laughs> Here are the ones that are upsetting. Okay. The armpits. Okay. Caress the armpits. It will get you horny. I just caressed mine. You're welcome. Also, my favorite one in particular is the back of the knee. I want you to know that I'm touching all these areas. <laughs> and I'm like watching it, your reaction. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. I was told this by my partner that the back of the knee would get you horny. And I was like, absolutely not. Um, I hate that. And you're wrong. And she was like, no, and yeah. I can prove it to you. So I had her essentially make out with the back of my knee. Yeah. And she was correct, unfortunately. I'm going to try this on my girlfriend yeah, as soon as we're done recording. For science. For science reasons. Yeah. I honestly hate how well it worked. It works as well as like the nape of the neck or the ears. Are you serious? Wow. A hundred percent. That's where really the, the, the back, back of, of the, the knee. knee. One of the grossest parts of a, of a bot. Like when you get old, that's one of the first areas that look disgusting. Mm-hmm. No offense to elderly. <laughs> offense to elderly people. Your knees are fucking disgusting. Newsflash, the elderly. Oh, can you imagine those people that have baby knees? How... You know what? One more time. What? <laughs> how people have knees that kind of look like baby heads. Baby. You know what I'm talking about? Like it resembles a baby's face. <laughs> how can you justifiably <laughs> suck on someone's knees that look like an infant? You're doing the back of it. Yeah, but you know. So you, you don't you look know at it's that a baby. One. You know that you're sucking in the back of a baby's neck. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, if you follow that anatomy from the baby's uh, face to the so back of the So are you knee. a pedophile if you suck on someone's yes. knee that looks like a baby? Full stop. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the jury is in and you're a monster. Agreed. Wow. Well, that's a, uh, is that all the, the, all the spots you got? Yeah. So I looked up a guide on how to stimulate these areas. If you would like to know. Of course I would. So we'll start with the obvious ones, right? Nape of the neck. So you can caress with your fingernails or kiss, right? Okay. Nails. Yeah, so it's specifically fingernails, which I disagree with, but. Okay. So drag my nails <laughs> down the back of their neck. Claw them. <laughs> the ears. Yes. Gently nibble on the lobes. Okay. Lower back, you can stimulate with an ice cube. Okay. You're just carrying those around. <laughs> the scalp, you wring your fingers through the hair. The inner wrist, you caress with fingernails again, so you're again self-harming. Okay. <laughs> Finger- <laughs> uh, fingertips. Yeah. Uh, tenderly suck while maintaining eye contact. Stomach. Tickle with a cold washcloth. This isn't real. The butt. <laughs> you lightly rub or finger. <laughs> just finger your butt. What, what was the washcloth? The stomach was a washcloth? Stomach was a washcloth. Okay, so I'm supposed to run to the cupboard, get a washcloth out. Cold. A cold washcloth. Then I got to run to the sink. I got to get it wet, wring it out, and then come back, and then smack it on its stomach. Yeah. Well, it's tickle. So you're just like lightly grazing okay. this cold washcloth over the stomach. <laughs> it's like a fu- fucking magic trick. Just, oh, we just jiggle it over the stomach. Uh, I think that's Jeez. how people become pregnant. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. and like occult rituals. So yeah, you have a lot of things to try after this. So the armpits, it says to rub in slow circles. No. Don't like that either. And the back of the knee, massage with fingers and tongue. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. This is all. This is... Uh, uh, yeah. You're welcome. Valentine's Day is coming up, so I'm trying to help you out. Trying to make your lives a little bit easier. As usual, I'm doing a Valentine's Day themed science corner to help all you single or coupled up folks. 
Or, hey, if you're doing speed dating, these are also things you can try. Right. At the table. Maybe you're, like, cuddling up next to someone. You're on a couch. You're doing the Netflix and chill. Grab the under part of their knee. And maybe your fingers just start doing a little piano. That's right. You're playing an accordion. Bring a washcloth from home. (laughs) Conceal it. But pre-wet it. Ooh, you know what you should do? Wet it with your mouth. Put it in your mouth. Let the saliva soak it. (laughs) For a while. And then yeah. you pull it out much like a magician. Yeah, and then- I would gag at one point. Like, oh, well, is this why you have been talking like you have a mouthful right. of cotton balls all night? Yeah. Uh, disgusting. But not for you, right? Right. Because you're, you're in a coupled relationship. So just tickle that knee and you're golden. Okay. If you've been trying to make a move for a long time, nothing really seems to be working. Run your fingernails across their wrist. Yeah. It'll get them in the mood. Finger their butthole. <laughs> they finger their butt. This could save a marriage. <laughs> this could save Doing the Lord's work right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Way more disturbing than I thought it was going to be. How do we change the topic? How this? do we segue? Do you got Do you got any segments? I probably should have mentioned this when we were talking about McDonald's. <laughs> but I wanted to share this with you because this is very interesting to me. I've, I've kept this on my phone for a while to save this, to talk this. I'm just... Am I speaking English right now? <laughs> I've been <laughs> saving this on my phone. There's this man, Edsel Ford Fung, mm. which is a fun name. Yeah. Um, he was a famous San Francisco restaurant server who was deemed the world's rudest waiter. Okay. And he was actually famous for being the world's rudest waiter. Now, Fung was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown and grew up to work on the second floor of the prolific Sam Wo restaurant on Washington Street in the Chinatown district. Mm-hmm. So Fung's fame grew after columnist Herb Kane wrote about Fung's madman antics, which he observed whenever dining at Samuel restaurant. Kane would interview Fung and record his wild and crude opinions on current events and politics. And Fung would always give these kind of weird takes on things just because he had no filter. He would just say whatever. That's fun. And this especially came out when he was a server. So Kane compiled a list of things to do in San Francisco. Number 58 on the list was see the world's rudest waiter. And he talks about Fung. After all this, Fung quickly becomes an attraction with locals and tourists. And in time, his job title became a hybrid of head waiter and sort of like resident entertainer. Mm -hmm. Fung would commonly greet customers with the simple sit down and shut up. Wow. He would verbally accost patrons by calling them names like fat and retarded. (laughs) He would criticize their menu choices, even changing orders to what he felt they should eat. When he was serving the food, he would slam the food on the table and he would openly complain about any tip at or below 15%. I feel like... This would destroy your mental health. Like, if you had to constantly be this character, like, how do you just not become an absolutely atrocious human being? Well, I think this is just part of him. I think he just... Sucked. I've met some people who are, like, intentionally mean, and it's and if you get it, it's funny, and if you don't, you cry. Yeah. It's definitely not healthy, but mm-hmm. some other things that Fung would do to customers, uh, he would tease and haze people that were new there. At times, he would refuse to provide English menus to English-speaking guests. Mm-hmm. He would start bussing tables before customers had finished their meals. Damn. <laughs> Taking your drinks away and cleaning your table. Shortly after his death... Fung was immortalized in local murals, and there's actually a chain of local bistros that are named Ford Fongs mm-hmm. in homage to him. Up until Sam Woe's closure in 2012, Fung's daughter assumed her father's role as head waiter, behaving just as horrible with customers as Fung, which I thought was really interesting. She carried the torch for her yeah. father. 
for a little bit because it did become like a tradition. I wonder what that discussion was like. Offspring, I need you to overtake this tradition and be absolutely fucking horrible to my customers for me. Please promise me you'll be a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm dying and I need you to hold this legacy. He really did become like a... Like a celebrity? Yeah, like it was a positive thing. I see that as being in. I think that that kind of experience is what would draw people there. People like getting roasted. Right. It's similar to how people like getting scared at a haunted house. It's funny to laugh at yourself and also you bring your friends there and they'll make fun of your friends and you can laugh at your friends too. That's why we have like roasts on Comedy Central. Exactly. There hasn't been one of those in a really long time. I know. I wonder why. COVID maybe? Yeah, probably COVID. Probably COVID. COVID's been around for a couple of years now, so that's probably why. It's weird, right? Two years. I know, man. Half of this podcast lifespan has been spent in quarantine. I know. Our four-year anniversary is coming up. I feel like we almost haven't earned a four-year anniversary because we've just been doing things month by month. I sometimes feel like that, and then I slap myself because we did this. That's right. We did it. We did it. And we have people on Patreon who support us. And Manscaped. And Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped. <laughs> I just used your <laughs> products the other day. Okay, here's the thing, though. They sent us their premium package, mm -hmm. which is their um, nose trimmer, their lawnmower, which is their razor, ball toner, and ball deodorant in, like, this really nice bag. Which honestly was fucking fantastic. I don't really have any use for the deodorant myself, but the ball toner I like to use as cologne. Oh, really? Because it smells amazing. It smells yeah, so yeah, yeah. good. I'll be honest. I was expecting it to go into this being like, I'll have to champion their stuff and maybe I'll like it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like the lawnmower 4.0 is just the razor that I use. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. that. The nose hair trimmer is just my nose hair trimmer. I don't use that stuff in particular, but as like branded towards one gender as it is. Right. Yeah, I know. You know, I feel like it is really nice because I am a non-binary and I enjoy their products too. That's fantastic. Well, this might be a great time to take a small ad break. Woo, woo, woo. Boom. Happy New Year. No matter what happened last year, you can rest assured this next trip around the sun will bring better days and better deals. From our sponsor, Manscaped. Silence, mortal. Who said that? Tis I, old man last year. Patron saint of failed New Year's resolutions. Old man last year? So you're like the opposite of... The opposite of Baby New Year, yes. Baby New Year is a feeble infant who spreads hope to all on New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming you do the opposite of that? Yes. I, old man last year, am sworn to spread bad vibes and inspire people to abandon their New Year's resolutions. Like investing in your personal hygiene. Well, I've got bad news, old man. Because Manscaped offers a variety of personal hygiene products and self-grooming gadgets to help people take back their confidence this year. Foolish podcast boy. Only the mightiest of grooming products could break the spell of old man last year. In that case, may I introduce Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Featuring the Lawnmower 4.0, a waterproof electric trimmer built with advanced skin safe technology that trims and protects your most sensitive areas. Wait, you mean even your balls? Especially your balls. The Lawnmower 4.0 comes with interchangeable guard sizes and a sleek wireless charging dock. Not wireless charging. 
The performance package also includes the Weed Whacker, Manscaped's lightweight nose and ear hair trimmer. I can feel my powers growing weaker. I hope there isn't more. But wait, there's more. Holy shit. This package prioritizes your package with additional products such as the Crop Preserver, an all-new anti-chafing ball deodorant. No. Plus, the Crop Reviver, a nourishing toner that freshens and soothes your nether regions whenever irritation strikes. You've won this time, Manscaped. But beware, old man last year will return next year. Hmm, that was really weird. This year, kick uncomfortable grooming to the curb and join the 4 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped. Right now, you can go to manscaped.com and use code IDIOT for 20% off and free shipping. That's code IDIOT, I-D-I-O-T. Now, back to the show. Oh my god, how was that? Oh my god, that's crazy. We've basically been doing an ad for like the past three minutes, but how is that extra purified ad for you? So I feel like we're at a point now where we can get into the the juice. I'm happy you said that because there's nothing quite like being submerged underwater in a shower with Manscaped products. Oh my god. That just reminds me of the city of Atlantis that is currently submerged underwater, supposedly. That was such a good segue. Thank I would have never so thought that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, I'm curious to see, like, before going into this, what was your impression of Atlantis? What did you think? For how long has it been in your lexicon? This concept of an underwater city. I'm happy that you asked because ever since the movie Atlantis, the, you know, Mm. animation back in like early 2000s came out, I've been in love with the uh, main female character, right? (laughs) The beautiful foreign woman and also the loudmouth tinkerer. I can't remember her name. Super hot in overalls. Fuck yeah. Yes. So it's been in my subconscious for quite a long time. And I've always been intrigued by it. I always thought it was like an interesting subject. So I was pretty excited that this was suggested by one of our patrons, Ray. I'm pretty sure it was Ray. If it wasn't Ray, I'm so sorry. I don't feel like going and checking now. But (laughs) (laughs) sorry, maybe Ray. I was really excited because I didn't really know where the legend stemmed from. Like I knew the basics, right? It was a city that disappeared supposedly underwater and that's pretty much Mm -hmm. where it ended and the conspiracy theories around it because that's kind of what i focused on are so fucking insane and fun and i'm hype about it boy oh boy is it finally happening sharing their curiosity to know the unknown their tension their readiness for inconceivable adventures is it human or inhuman Earthly or unearthly. This could be an ancient city beneath the sea. Atlantis, the mother empire that had spread her civilization to both sides of the Atlantic. A utopia that we've evolved from. There was once another continent. Atlantis, our mighty empire. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. So, how did Atlantis enter the consciousness of society? Well, 
I'm so happy that you asked because I have the answer for you. I did ask. I did ask. How did it enter the <laughs> consciousness? But yeah, I didn't realize that it went back as far as it did, right? It started around like 400 BCE or so mm -hmm. by this funny guy named Plato. You might have heard of him. The famous Greek philosopher. And he did a work called Timaeus, I think is how you say it. Yeah, the Timaeus. The Timaeus. Timaeus and Critias are the two dialogues in which he mentions Atlantis. And in this work, it said that Atlantis suddenly disappeared without substantial like proof at the time. There's a city that disappeared. And this story of this like ancient city that kind of poofed <laughs> out of... The Atlantic Ocean obviously really captivated people. Yeah. So it's been perpetuated for like centuries and centuries now. And Plato originally said that he got this story from an Egyptian priest. This is true. <laughs> the actual like story, the Timaeus, explains that Atlantis is a vast power in front of the pillars of Hercules, which is over by Greece. It's said to be larger than Libya and Asia combined. Asia at the time was extending to the Nile, so it's not Asia as we know it because that would be monstrous. It's like the Middle East and parts of Asia. Something like that. So this island is said to provide passage to other islands, and it one day grew powerful enough to rule over Libya, Egypt, and now central Italy. This passage that Plato talks about tells the story of an unimaginable army that poured out of the Atlantic Ocean to enslave the mainland in one big fell swoop. And then through a series of earthquakes and floods, the warriors and the city of Atlantis sank below the earth all at once and it is now unexplorable, covered completely by mud. And Plato kind of ends the talk of Atlantis by saying that, quote, it's no made-up story, but a true account. And through my research in ancient aliens, they fucking love this quote. They love it so goddamn much. <laughs> That's all they need. That's all they need. Right, they're like, even Plato. Even Plato said it was true. He would never lie to us. <laughs> So the city of Atlantis, going in more of like the woo-woo fun parts of things, is said to have been built by Poseidon, the god of sea storms and earthquakes, after he fell in love with Kalido, a mortal woman. So he made the city on a hill on an island out in the middle of the sea to protect her, and also because he was just an insanely jealous fuck. He was in love with her and didn't want anyone else to fuck with her. Right. So he was like, mm, this island looks good. We'll put her on a hill where she can't associate with literally anyone else except for my dick. Right. <laughs> so he walked through the world to find the biggest island until he reached Atlantis. And he found that it was led by people more beautiful and intelligent than the rest of the world. It was surrounded by five rings of water and land. So what I mean by that, when you cut into an onion, right, you know how it has layers, just like Shrek said. Um, I was going to say Shrek. <laughs> so essentially, there's like a bunch of rings, one ring of land, one ring of water, one ring of land, one ring of water, right? And that's like what the city is made of. So Cleto, the woman that Poseidon fell in love with, had five pairs of twins with Poseidon, and the oldest was Atlas. They all inherited the city, but Atlas became the first ruler of Atlantis, which is why we have the name Atlantis and the Atlantic Ocean. I was very surprised to find that out. I th I had no idea. I thought it was just Atlantic Ocean, Atlantis, whatever, but it's actually named right. after the kid in the myth. Right, which is really cool. 
So on this island, they built a huge temple for Poseidon topped with like a gold statue of him riding a chariot carried by winged horses. And it was said that the island was inhabited by demigods who were self-sufficient. That's why they were more beautiful, more athletic. They were more affluent. They had all of these inventions like metal alloy and aqueducts, things like that. So they were by and large just way better at everything than everyone else on earth. <laughs> They had this amazing culture with like endless palaces and temples where kings were rich and the people were in a golden age of like harmony and abundance. But eventually the people grew greedy and they wanted to conquer the Mediterranean. And so Zeus sent out an earthquake that made Atlantis sink in one day and one night. So that's more of like the actual myth side of things, like the story behind it. Do you have anything you want to add before I jump into woo-woo, bonkers, fun stuff? I, I did want to add how Plato maybe got the idea for it. Mm -hmm. um, so around the time Plato wrote of Atlantis, Athens was experiencing significant domestic prosperity and territorial expansion. So they were doing quite well. Mm -hmm. This could aid the argument that Atlantis was pure fiction. <gasps> For the purpose of allegory. Isn't that fun, wow. kids? Allegory. But he said it was true. But also he was writing the book <laughs> because Plato's books are, as they're called, Socratic dialogues mm -hmm. relating to Plato's mentor Socrates and the Socratic method, which is a cooperative argumentative dialogue between two or more individuals that consists of asking and answering questions to improve critical thought and draw out core ideas and assumptions in a statement or argument. So basically explain... Every point to the nth degree until your view, idea, argument is boiled down and fully defended. Mm -hmm. I have this idea, this statement. So I'm going to create a conversation between two people where one person states this idea or argument and the other person tests it by saying, well, what about this? What about that? Mm -hmm. Explain further, elaborate. And so at the end of it, you have a full understanding of what this idea is. Mm -hmm. And Plato used this method a lot in his writings to get his ideologies and theories and ideas across. So in terms of allegory... Plato very well could have meant for his Atlantis allegory to serve as a cautionary tale to his fellow Athenians and the increasingly aggressive military expansion taking place. Mm -hmm. Also, Plato could have based it on the fall of the great Minoan maritime empire, which began shortly after a volcanic eruption on the Minoan island of Thera, a actual tragedy that had happened. And it was interesting, too, because that civilization was definitely like the golden child of Europe at the time. Yeah, it was it was an empire. It was right. It was huge. And it had like the first written language as well. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely like a booming area that seemed to disappear overnight and no one really knew why. And people kind of attributed Atlantis to being the civilization. The eruption caused parts of Thera to become fully submerged under the sea and spawned earthquakes and darkened the skies with smoke and ash for a very long time. Thera's destruction occurred over 1,000 years before Plato wrote about Atlantis, but the sinking of Thera would have been visible from coastal regions of Greece, most notably Crete. By Plato's time, Thera's destruction would likely have been kind of forgotten because it had been so long, but it was probably remembered through passed down accounts through oral history. And you know how that becomes distorted over time? Yeah. People recall staying on the coast and they could see in the distance an island sinking into the sea. And it was mm. a great empire, blah, blah, blah. And over time, that story becomes there was a magical place where people mm. had crazy technology and I watched it fall into the sea. And so Plato takes that and says, you know, what? I'm going to use that in my writing because I see my nation state headed down a dark path. And they could be under the sea sometime. Right. By the way, under the sea, Poseidon had a daughter named Ariel. 
<laughs> Another sea. Another sea. So the legend of an island falling into the sea and causing an empire to crumble could have been passed down to Plato or Socrates for generations and inspired the tale of Atlantis. If taken as pure analogy, Plato's Atlantis is an effective cautionary tale, like I said before, of an ideal nation sabotaged by its own hubris, mm -hmm. which is a huge thing for the Greeks. Exactly. Essentially thinking your shit don't stink and then God's like, it do stink and just sends this lightning dick into your homeland. Honestly, though, like if I were a Greek god, I probably would have done the same thing. Like, y'all are getting too cocky. Fuck off. And then they all die. Absolutely. You know, yeah. just be like, hold on. You think you're better than me? Like, hold on. Remember, you're supposed to be bowing down to me. But now you're talking about science and laws. Mm -hmm. But if you actually look at the account of his Atlantis, the laws and constitutions that he describes Atlantis as having was like copy and paste of Athens at the time. Mm -hmm. Kind of on the nose. Mm. Like, you know, there's a place called America. <laughs> okay, obviously this is, you're talking about America, but you're changed the name slightly. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that. But the Greeks were so dumb that they didn't see through it because he said it was real. A bunch of dumb idiots. What's well, the thing, too, is they're a bunch of dumb idiots. That's the one thing I didn't, I didn't mention is they're a bunch of dumb idiots. A bunch of dumb idiots. They could read and write over there. They must have been like demigods. <laughs> oh, my God. They had pencils. <laughs> really? I mean, if you think about it to its core... It makes sense that they're aliens. <laughs> um, agreed. <laughs> because some people believe, right, and I'm included, that the people of Atlantis got there around 50,000 years ago from the Lyrian star system. We've talked about this, haven't we? Yeah, we have. The Lyrian star system? Yeah, the Lyrian star system. We got star seeds. Yeah. The original star seeds were from Atlantis. So they look taller and are more fair than humans with a lifespan of 800 years. And they are significantly stronger, more athletic than everyone else. Which is obviously why the big dumb idiots of Greece thought that they were demigods. Really, they were aliens. And some people even take this further and think that Atlantis was on Mars. Oh, huh, wow, really? Yeah. And they I haven't um, heard of that at all. Oh yeah, they were said to have uh, <laughs> supernatural powers like controlling weather or volcanoes. There was really like a huge list of all their superpowers, but <laughs> I thought those were the cooler ones. <laughs> and they also had a device that let them control space and time. Okay. So I think Right. My theory is that Atlantis was in the Atlantic Ocean. Zeus tried to fuck them up, mayhaps. And so they used their device for space and time to transport themselves onto Mars. Okay. Because they are aliens. Oh, hold on. Okay. So aliens, but they still obey the Greek gods. Of course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're Greek gods. They're from, they're not from Mars, but they are from Mars. They're from the Lyrian star system. Sometimes they're from the Lyrian star system. <laughs> Sometimes they're from Mars. It depends on how they feel that day. All right. It depends. Maybe they came from the Lyrian star system, hung out on Earth, and then decided to fuck off with their device and go to Mars to save themselves. Why not? If they can do all that, why not? Use it if you got it, right? Right. Use what your mama gave you. So I want to go as they say. into more of this science. So ocean science, interesting word for that. <laughs> uh, the ocean explorer Robert Ballard said that the story matches a major volcano in the island of Santorini near Greece, which was over by what we were talking about, the Minoan, the Minoan civilization, all in that area. Robert states that a highly advanced society lived there and disappeared just as quickly. Do you see the correlations there? It's lining up. <laughs> Already. Um, and I know you read about this guy a lot, but Ignis Donnelly also wrote about Atlantis 
quite extensively in his book called Atlantis yeah. in 1882. The Antediluvian World. That's the subtitle. Wow. Atlantis, the Antediluvian World. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Some other people believe Atlantis was swallowed up by the Bermuda Triangle, right? We all remember the Bermuda Triangle from when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And it like sucked up airplanes, sucked up ships. It was this space in the ocean where things came in and then never came out. Yes. It's like this weird black hole, essentially. And there's this guy named Charles Berlintz who wrote many books on paranormal phenomena that spearheads this belief in the Bermuda Triangle sucking up Atlantis. And a lot of people believe it because the Bimini Road was discovered um, fairly recently, and it's believed that it's a remnant of a road to Atlantis because the original myth said that Atlantis had a bunch of passageways to other islands and it kind of made it this metropolis. Yeah, it was like a middleman. Did you hear about the Mayans? How they play into this? No. I'll go into that later. But anyway, so they thought the Mayans, which was at the time a lost ancient civilization, they thought that everything may have came from them, oh. probably from aliens or something. Like aliens gave it to the Mayans. Right. And the Mayans gave it to the Atlanteans, and the Atlanteans brought it to Egypt. Right. Right. Another theory just to throw into this ball of theory. Right. <laughs> so there's this road, right? Because roads were very prevalent in Atlantis that was found in the Atlantic Ocean, fairly surface level, you know, fairly easy to see. And it was essentially a path of stones found near the Bahamas and is dated to be around 12,000 years old. What's it called again? The Bimini Road. It's B-I-M-I-N-I. -I. So... It's been debunked by some scientists because they say it's a natural rock formation. However, I think they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I do see it. I would totally think this was a road if I saw it. Right. And it feels fairly weird that it follows a road so specifically. And it does happen to be in the same like age range. I'm not saying that it was the road to Atlantis, uh, but I am saying that it was the road to Atlantis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of weird, though. Like, it's weird to think that that was a rock formation naturally just because of how it's laid out and the way that it looks. Yeah, you, you can see it from satellite. Like, you can see it overhead through the water. It's really cool looking. There's one really big guy who is said to kind of spearhead a ton of the like controversy, not controversy, but the conspiracy theories around Atlantis by the mm -hmm. name of Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey, sleeping prophet. The sleeping prophet. I really want to do a minisode on him. He needs his own episode, yeah. I started writing one because he's so oh, yeah? fucking crazy. His life is such insane. A good, such a good crazy story. That yeah. could be a full episode, honestly. Honestly, yeah. I focus on his specific claims with Atlantis, but there are so many fun things about Edgar Casey that we definitely have to do an episode on him. But he is essentially the most documented psychic of the 20th century. So he has a lot of different names that people have attributed to him. One is the sleeping prophet. Another is that he's the father of holistic medicine. He, dude is crazy. He would like fall asleep and then like speak in a different voice. Like he'd fall asleep yeah. and then be like, this is what is wrong with you. Drink motor oil. It will cure your cancer. Yeah. Crazy snake oil medicine advice that would actually cure their ailments. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. He would like channel into God knows what and like <laughs> speak in a different voice and be like, Edgar isn't here anymore. <laughs> but anyways. 
This guy's fucking rad. He's really interesting. He's the father of holistic medicine, and he got that title because he would do readings on people, and he would, like, fall asleep. He would lay on a couch, close his eyes, like, put his hands on his stomach, right, and he would enter meditation. Was said to be able to, like, tap into the Akashic Records, super unconscious mind, the greater unconscious, and was able to diagnose people with their mental or physical ailments and then come up with treatments for them. And quite a lot of them worked. <laughs> yeah. Which is really kind of fucking crazy. So he did readings on people for like past lives. But specifically with the past lives, some of those people that he did readings on apparently came from a mythical civilization that resembles Atlantis. Mm. So one interesting thing about Casey is that he never was able to remember any of the readings that he gave because he was in a trance. So he had these interpreters for him. Like a stenographer, essentially. Yeah. From what I read before, he was a hardcore Christian. Yeah. Like from the South and very uncomfortable and disturbed by these readings because it was mm -hmm. like stuff he did not believe in and didn't want to believe in. Yeah. I think that makes it even more interesting is he was like, this is, uh, this makes me deeply uncomfortable because it goes against my Christian beliefs. He like wouldn't charge people for the readings either. Right. Which I thought was really interesting. So Casey stated that the people of Atlantis had a mass reincarnation event and are now the people of America. So it's like a carryover mass life of Atlantis now residing in America. Fuck yeah. USA. <laughs> right? USA. 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 We're Martians. So he <laughs> states that the secrets of life and the hidden secrets of Atlantis are hidden in a hall of records at three places on Earth. Do you want to give a guess at where these places are? Guys, probably like Oklahoma City. <laughs> no. The Sphinx. Okay. Underwater in the Bahamas. And remember, there was a stone road found in the Bahamas. <gasps> in the Bahamas. And the last one, the Yucatan Peninsula. That's a big part of the Mayanism stuff. Right? Yeah. So Mayans. So he said that these records would show that there is an extraterrestrial presence on Earth that we know exists here. Hmm. He also like had this belief in this... Um, I can't remember what it's called because it's in my mini sewed notes now. But the people on Earth had different origins, but we all evolved at the same time. So, like, there are many different races that were separate from each other. Personally, it sounds very racist to me because he's oh like, my God, yeah. there's a white race and a black race and a yellow, red, and brown and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, um, <okay. laughs> and yep. he was saying that some of them are, like, extraterrestrial in origin, right? As part of his belief. Okay. And he said... Blacks are from outer space. That's, right. such, a, that's such like a 1900s <laughs> idea. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. This is science. Right, science. <laughs> uh, I went to bed and then... I had a dream. I had a dream. I had this crazy fucking dream, you guys. <laughs> uh, so in one of his own past lives, supposedly, uh, he was an Egyptian priest who helped to build the Sphinx. And that's how he knows, for a fact... There are hidden caverns in the Sphinx that we don't know about that holds these hall of records that would unlock the history of humanity. Wait, Mo, could he have been the Egyptian priest that told Plato about Atlantis? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, oh my so, God. 
Apparently, him and his team were allowed to drill holes near the Sphinx to find these, like, lost chambers. Oh, really? Which is fucking crazy. Yeah, they, like, drilled holes, and then they put this, like, sonar-type equipment in there that was able to detect if there were, like, passageways or anything. And when they got close, like, they discovered some anomalies that hinted that there was a hidden chamber. The Egyptian army stopped them and made them stop the study. Hmm. So, maybe. Maybe there's something under the Sphinx and we just don't know about it. Probably not, though. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably just like, hey, this could be a global heritage site. Stop the white people from drooling into it. (laughs) Right. So Casey has like a lot of beliefs, right? He talks about pole shifts that destroyed ancient civilizations and that we're going to experience another pole shift in our time. What I mean by that is like the polar axis of Earth, essentially, Mm -hmm. and said that something as small as an asteroid could tilt the axis of Earth and shift land and water distributions. So things that are currently on land now could become the ocean floor and vice versa. So the city of Atlantis one day is going to re-emerge. Hmm. <laughs> he also believed that a giant solar crystal activated by the sun okay. was used to harness its energy and provide power to Atlantis. And he also claimed in 1958 that the U.S. would uncover a death ray that was used on Atlantis. <laughs> you know, he almost had me for like... <laughs> right, two seconds. He almost had it. Uh, God damn it. I, this is always the case, right, though? Right? It's always like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And also there's a soul crystal and a death ray. Right. Yeah. Why'd you have to add that part? He also predicted the second coming of Christ. <laughs> okay. However, he was supposed to come in 1998, and um, he unfortunately did not. So. Well, I was born in 1996. There you go. Coincidence? Maybe. It's only two years before. That's pretty close. Well, you were you born? 96. 96 as well. So it could have been either of us. Maybe his math was just off. Yeah, either one, one of us, us could be Christ. This could be. We don't know it. Yeah. Or we could be star seeds. Christ seeds. We are tall and fair. The, okay, here's a weird thing, though. Because we talked about star seeds like quite a while ago now. Mm-hmm. And it's like becoming a new age thing where a lot of people, like I'll see on TikTok and stuff, like there's these whole communities of people who are now thinking that they're star seeds. Yeah. Which is fucking wild. Like I remember you talking about like the YouTube channels and things like that, but that all felt like distinctly conspiracy theorist town. Far away, tucked right? away. And now it's like kind of um, interjecting itself, much like astrology and things were, where like star seeds are becoming like a commonplace belief. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Kind of scary. I went to a uh, like a thrift shop, not a thrift shop, but like a flea market a month or so ago. And there was like this section where it was like astrology, things like that. But there were also like quite a lot of books on star seeds. I mean, star seeds grew into popularity like in the 80s and 90s, but it was just, it was a different generation. So I don't think it caught on the same way. Right. But like there was prolific celebrities that were talking about it back then. You know, it was seen as super, super woo woo Mm -hmm. back then. And I think now we're seeing a reemergence of this kind of stuff and this sort of need to be special, right? Yeah. Like, I understand that. Like, it's just something with the culture right now. And so I'm not surprised to hear that, that stuff is is coming back because people also, people want a religion, but religion is kind of dead in America. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a little bit. Not totally, but I think people think they need a more, not science but kind of science Like a like, free form type of religion. Yeah, hyper accepting, hyper mm-hmm. positive, because it is it's very like self-positive. It's like you are special and you are good and you're meant to do great things which is fantastic and it like fosters a dependence Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, which I don't I don't disagree with. I think like greater spirituality is really cool. But that's interesting that you saw more of that. But yeah, I think starseeds definitely play into that. And I think it's really interesting. I don't know how we got on this topic, but I'm going to keep talking about Atlantis. Okay. So it was Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> According to Charles Hapgood. For what? It is 1915-8 book called Earth Shifting Crust. 12,000 years ago, the Earth's crust shifted and displaced Atlantis to become Antarctica, and oh. it doomed the people and buried them under ice. Is ice not just a different kind of water? Exactly. Like I said in my segue, much like a shower with Manscaped products. Ice, water, shampoo. Atlantis under blocks and blocks and blocks, miles of ice in the Antarctic. What you're telling me are facts. If you remember my earlier point with Edgar Casey, right, he talked about polar shifts. So this mm -hmm. lines up with it perfectly, right, because Atlantis became the new North Pole, right? Is it Antarctica and the North Pole or is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's in one of the poles that wasn't previously. North Pole. Could Santa be an alien? Well, Santa came after Atlantis. Well, I mean, maybe he's an Atlantean. They live for they live for thousands of years. Right. Well, eight hundred. But yes, eight hundred. But okay, maybe he is drinking a special juice that makes him no longer milk and cookies, baby. <laughs> maybe he leeches the elves. You know what I mean? Every mm. elf he consumes. <laughs> he tickles the back of their knees, so they keep working he for him. He sucks on their knees. And <laughs> <laughs> this is daddy's juice, oh. and he gets another hundred years. This is why we get people complaining about us on our iTunes reviews. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. I think this is demonic. I love the Absolutely. talking points, but this is also demonic and disgusting. I My hope one day is that people are going to get really upset about us and the things that we say, and they're going to boycott Spotify, much like Joe Rogan, <laughs> because we're just spitting filth. We are just spitting more filth out into the universe. 100%. We are promoting destructive ideologies, mm -hmm. are we not? I look for accurate data scientific data as a biochemist i am dedicated to the truth <laughs> the truth that atlanteans are from mars <laughs> yes and or antarctica and or the lyrian star system and or a uh, literary analogy probably that probably that yeah. <laughs> after all this probably that <laughs> yeah that's what i got for conspiracy theories regarding atlantis Wow. Pretty lush with different ideas. Kind of all right. over the place. Kind of all over the place. That's what I think is so interesting is that Atlantis, the concept, seems to have really uh, invited a lot of different minds to use it as a canvas to paint their own wacky shit on it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is very fun. I need everyone who listens to this podcast episode to go on YouTube and then search up ancient aliens Atlantis and then just have fun. Maybe do a toke or two. Toke or two. Sit back and relax. Let it overtake you. Drawing from that, though, this idea that a lot of them, especially in America, a lot of American minds, this isn't exactly a global conspiracy. A lot of this stuff comes from America. And I'll get into why that is, because it is due to a man by the name of Ignatius Donnelly, mm -hmm. who was a Civil War era politician in America, mm -hmm. uh, which is not where you'd expect Atlantis to really bloom from. But um, going back a little bit, after Plato's writings of Atlantis, Atlantis didn't really come back into the public spotlight for centuries 
until in 1627, Sir Francis Bacon published the novel The New Atlantis, which was obviously a novel, not trying to espouse any fact, mm-hmm. but it was all about this ideal utopia. And utopias are going to come up a lot, especially in the Western world and especially in America around the time of the Civil War, post-Civil War, mm-hmm. concepts of utopias and ancient technology, ancient aliens, whatever. Mm-hmm. As Plato's allegory was resurrected by a new generation of philosophers, it was quickly adopted by early pseudoscientists who studied Atlantis for not its literary value or philosophical implications, but as historical legend. Ooh, that means it's real, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That means it's real. And human beings. Yes. Much like lost treasure or a primitive land, some people interpreted Atlantis as a certified geographical location. Like all pseudoscience, instead of following evidence towards a conclusion, mm-hmm. they started with the conclusion that Atlantis was real and then searched for evidence to back that conclusion. Because the scientific method, as you might remember, you form a hypothesis, you test it, and then you reevaluate your hypothesis, right? So, like, no answer is an incorrect answer because it's fueling your knowledge of the main idea. It's what you hope. But these people are not doing that because they're just disregarding the things that they don't agree with and then trying to fit things into puzzle pieces that don't necessarily make sense. Right. They're testing their hypothesis, seeing that it fails, and they're saying, well, hold on, no, this may disprove it, but somewhere there's evidence that does prove it. Right. We just haven't found it yet. Right. So, the most prolific proponent of Atlantis being real might just be Ignatius Donnelly. I know. I know. <laughs> my hero. I didn't know my hero was going to be talked about today. Is someone rubbing a washcloth on your stomach right now? Jeez. <laughs> They're doing raspberries on my neck. <laughs> yeah. The back of my knees are wet. Ugh. Donnelly published, as you said, Atlantis, the Antediluvian World in 1882, and it forever shaped the modern understanding of Atlantis and influenced conspiracy theory culture and what's called junk archaeology. Ignatius Donnelly wasn't some ancient philosopher, but rather a former United States congressman from Minnesota. So how did this congressman turn into a conspiracy theorist? Um, Which is relevant today as well. Um, (laughs) So Ignatius Donnelly entered politics in 1855, securing his role as lieutenant governor of Minnesota from 1860 to 1863. From there, Donnelly was elected to Congress, where he served as a radical Republican from 1863 to 1869. Up until 1898, a lot of years thrown at you, ignore all of them. Mm -hmm. Up until 1898, he served time as a state senator and a state representative where he put his efforts into advocating for civil rights, because back then, radical Republicans were more like liberals mm-hmm. uh, that we see today in the American political system. So it might be strange to hear, but he was he was actually a huge proponent of civil rights. He seemed like a pretty decent man in terms of what his beliefs were. Right. He supported civil rights by assisting legislation to broaden the powers of the Freedmen's Bureau, uh, which would provide education for freed African-American men. And during this time, Donnelly also campaigned as an early supporter of women's suffrage. I just want to give you the full portrait of the man before we shit on his face with all this stuff. Uh, So Donnelly was a notable populist politician, giving speeches in which he criticized widespread corruption in politics and voting, as well as biased newspapers that were spreading misinformation. Populism, obviously, right now is also very popular in America again. If you don't know, populism is the idea of the people versus the elite. Mm -hmm. People are getting screwed over. That really rings true with the masses, especially back then when people were very much uneducated, And there was a lot of wealth inequality back then. 
even more than today. Like it was absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. So politicians like Ignatius Donnelly really spoke to the people. Donnelly flew his freak flag full mast in 1882 oh, with his book, Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, which remains his most well-known and best-selling work. This book helped launch the popular New Age movement in the 20th century literature. Some associated movements hang under the New Age banner. Mm -hmm. One of the most important ones is Mayanism. Mayanism is a collective New Age belief influenced by pre-Columbian Maya mythology and Mayan folk beliefs. There is an emphasis on lost or mysterious ancient civilizations like the ancient Maya, um, which I think in recent years we've learned a lot more about them. But at the time, they were very much a mystery. They just disappeared one day. Mm -hmm. um, and now we know that it was like disease and conflict with neighboring peoples. Well, yeah, because the Spaniards came and like fucked everyone. The and conquistas, then just, like... right? The conquistadors? Yeah. Cortez brought the flu. <laughs> <laughs> Another belief that Mayanism holds is that the ancient Maya obtained or understood cosmic knowledge pertaining to consciousness and the human condition mm. that was somehow lost or inaccessible to modern Western civilization. Yeah. Maybe because we weren't part alien. That's why we needed Edgar Cayce. We needed holistic medicine and spirituality to open us up to the Akishic records so we could learn about humanity. I agree. We needed a white man to sleep on a couch and mumble mm -hmm. anecdotes. Exactly. I'm going to put a book under my pillow <laughs> and then I'm going to see what it does. Okay. I consider myself to be fairly spiritually woke, mm -hmm. awoken, okay. as some might say. Some. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this lost ancient knowledge was thought to include anything from the origin of the universe, far advanced technology, and environmental harmony. So pretty much anything that would cure the ills of society, they had it and we don't anymore. So New Age cults and movements shunned academic learning and valued knowledge gained through revelation and indigenous knowledge. So instead of academia, instead of your fancy Harvard degree, mm -hmm. it was more about spiritualism, mm -hmm. kind of mesmerism. Like Edgar Cayce, who we'll get into it in a future episode, but one day was visited by an angel and had a revelation. Mm -hmm. That was much more valued. Yeah. There's this really weird worship or reverence towards indigenous peoples not for the people there's still that really weird prejudice and everything but because they are people of the earth they have knowledge that is that is the truth mm -hmm. because it's mysterious it's real you know what i mean right well they also like invented the calendar and you know time zones and daylight savings time yeah <laughs> that was uh one <laughs> truth and two lies <laughs> nickelodeon gack they right. made that through. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Actually, surprisingly, um, Britney Spears as well. I know. Isn't that strange? <laughs> so cool how they did that. Yes. The concept of Atlantis entered and fused with Mayanism as its interpretation as a lost continent led to the belief that advanced technology and knowledge were also lost with it. Mm -hmm. So that sort of transferred onto the idea of Atlantis. So what if, aside from the Mayans on the Yucatan Peninsula... The next step is Atlantis. That's where that stuff went after it left the Mayans. Right, right. And and Plato confirms it in a sense. During this era that Ignatius Donnelly was alive, post-Civil War, this is the Gilded Age as well. Okay. The world saw giant advancements in technology, science, and modern medicine. Some theorize that the simultaneous boom in mysticism around this time and pseudo-history, also conspiracies, could have been an intellectual slash cultural reaction to the real turn-of-the-century advancements. We've talked about this before, about how spiritualism, mesmerism, the Fox sisters, 
all came about in like the early 1900s and late 1800s. Gotcha, gotcha. When the Industrial Revolution was happening or the second Industrial Revolution, things were getting more science-based. And as a reaction, people were like, uh, we need more magic. Witchcraft and wizardry. A fascination with very unscientific things. Really bizarre. Even now you can see that, right? Like as we progress and we get more technologically advanced, a lot more people are turning to like spirituality. Absolutely. Crystal work and mysticism. Essential oils and essential oils. meditation and things like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. So the times were not only marked by industrialization, scientific discovery and rampant income inequality. Racism was crazy prevalent mm. at this time. And because of this, much of early conspiracy culture, like Mayanism and New Age pseudo-history, was rooted in xenophobic, anti-immigrant sentiment. Mm -hmm. So, and you kind of talked about how these aliens that came from the star system, they were these white, beautiful, tall people. Mm -hmm. They looked like people from Western Europe. Right. So, for example, ancient aliens, or the ancient astronaut theory, mm. which you touched on largely is built on the notion that extraterrestrials came to Earth long ago and intentionally or unintentionally shaped human history by imparting knowledge onto our primitive ancestors mm -hmm. and even provided the technological advancements that would drive civilization forward. So they came down and taught us how to make the pyramids. They taught us how to make the wheel. They taught us how to make fire or anything. Whenever ancient aliens, the show, talk about like, how could we have known this? How could we make perfect squares? How could we? We didn't know what a square was. How could we have done this? Right. How did we know that animals were cool? I don't no, know. But like <laughs> the most simple of ideas. Right. The wheel. The wheel. How did they make the wheel? Someone told us this. Aliens. How did cavemen know that things rolled? Aliens must have shown them. So... <laughs> Theorists point to bizarre structures like Egyptian pyramids, the Easter Island heads, and Stonehenge as proof of ancient alien visitors having interfered with mankind. Mm -hmm. Though compelling in some cases, skeptics largely cite poor scientific literacy of these conspiracy theorists as a core reason for the ancient alien hypothesis, as well as a misunderstanding of anthropology and early engineering capabilities. Mm -hmm. Other skeptics claim that these kinds of conspiracy theories are unintentionally racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As most of the claims of ancient alien intervention involve non-white primitive peoples, it sort of discredits the evolution of the science and cultures of our human ancestors outside of Europe. Whether intentional or not, the theory seems to assume that early civilizations in places like Africa and the Middle East were unable to progress on their own. Right. They needed aliens. And like this Edgar Casey, right, saying that we have different species of human beings, right, that white people, black people, yellow people, red people are all like different. We are from different planets. We aren't related at all. Right. There's no connection there. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Unintentionally racist for sure. Or maybe intentionally. I don't know. I mean, yeah, honestly. Because this is from the 20s, but. With that in mind, we're going to go back and look at some of Donnelly's influences and see how he came to this way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So some of his influences were also people that were part of this Mayanism movement. Charles Etienne Bressur de Borborg. <laughs> Borg. I don't know what I was expecting, but that was like somehow um, significantly better. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Borg. Borborg. Um, <laughs> so he was a Catholic priest and pseudo historian slash pseudo archaeologist who studied the Mayan and Aztec cultures and suggested a potential relationship between those at the time mysterious lost civilizations 
and the fabled continent of Atlantis. Yeah. And another one of Donnelly's influences was photographer and antiquarian Augustus Le Plongian. Ooh. P-L-O-N-G-E-I-O-N. And he studied various pre-Columbian ruins, particularly Mayan ruins of the Yucatan Peninsula. He documented archaeological sites through photography, which was a big deal at the time, and was another early proponent of Mayanism. Leplongian theorized that all of human civilization originated with the Mayan peoples on the Yucatan Peninsula, and the Mayans' culture and ancient knowledge was passed on by surviving populations who migrated to Atlantis <gasps> and spread to ancient Egypt from Atlantis. He also claimed that the symbols of the Freemasonry were found in the ruins of Egypt, reaching Egypt by way of Atlantis. So Atlantis mm. was really seen as an in-between thing. Right, right. Though these men, all these influences he had, were discredited over time by legitimate archaeological and scientific discoveries and developments, Ignatius Donnelly firmly stood by their theories and leaned hard into Mayanism and how it was purported to have played in mankind's origin and so-called ancient knowledge. In his book, uh, Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, he has 13 Atlantean hypotheses that he says have to all be true in order to prove his Atlantis theory. Okay. Hypothesis one. <laughs> there was once an island in the Atlantic Ocean opposite the Mediterranean Sea, which was the remnant of an Atlantic continent. And this island was known as Atlantis by ancient peoples of the time. Okay, well, that's a pretty, like... <laughs> straightforward hypothesis yeah like how do you prove that uh. so hypothesis number two plato's description of the atlantis island was not merely a fictitious fable but a historical record of a geographical location these hypotheses suck they do well because <laughs> he kind of sucks at being a scientist yeah hypothesis number three atlantis was the region where humans evolved from primitive barbarians to civilized people Kind of racist. Uh -huh. Number four, uh, Atlantis became a populated and advanced nation whose people migrated to other continents, spreading knowledge and civilization. Mm. Number five, Atlantis was the true antediluvian world. By the way, that word means the ideal land that existed before the biblical flooding. Mm -hmm. In Abrahamic religions, the antediluvian period occurred in the Bible between the fall of man and the Genesis flood. Okay. Donnelly, therefore, is equating Atlantis to the Garden of Eden. Okay. Or like Asgard in Norse mythology. This mm -hmm. kind of terrestrial paradise representing the memory of a great homeland where early mankind once prospered in peace and happiness. Yeah. Hypothesis number six, that the gods and ancient deities of the Greeks, Phoenicians, Hindus, Scandinavians, etc. were actually the kings and queens and heroes mm. of Atlantis misremembered as generations of oral records had transformed real historical figures into exaggerated myths. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I agree. So therefore, a majority of world religions and ancient mythology were in fact, quote, a confused recollection of real historical events. Hmm. Okay. That's the only one I don't hate so far. <laughs> Hypothesis seven, that the mythology of ancient Egypt and Peru most closely represented the original religion of Atlantis, which was sun worship. Uh, okay. I have no idea where he gets that from. Yeah, but I don't know where he gets that. Maybe because the Mayans, I guess? Probably. I mean, he probably just transferred everything from the Mayans on the Atlanteans. Yeah. Number eight, the oldest colony formed by Atlantis was probably Egypt. I don't know. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient Egyptian civilization was a recreation of the original Atlantis. Number nine, the tools and metalware uncovered from Europe's Bronze Age were derived from Atlantis, and the Atlanteans were the first to manufacture iron. 
Hypothesis 10, the Phoenician alphabet, which is historically viewed as the parent to Greek, Roman, Latin, and English alphabets, was a derivative of the Atlantis alphabet, which was passed on to them by the Mayans who had obtained it firsthand from the Atlanteans. I mean, if you're going by the Minoan civilization that had like the first written language in Europe, kind of. Maybe. 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 Again, this is all kind of like, uh, you know. Within a giant dumpster of just absolute shit, there's like one tiny nugget of maybe. Yeah, a broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing. Right. Number 11, that Atlantis was the origin point from which the Indo-European or Aryan peoples, yikes, obviously, this is going back (laughs) to the racist thing, so the origin point from which the Indo-European family of nations descended from. Sure. Included also were the Semitic-speaking peoples and possibly certain races of Central Asia. Essentially, white Europeans and select races and ethnicities that early European colonists had deemed to be white-adjacent or sub-Caucasian. Sub-Caucasian. I know. Ugh. So, Atlant- uh, the number 12, hypothesis number 12. Atlantis was destroyed by some cataclysmic natural disaster which literally sunk the entire island with most of its inhabitants sinking with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last one, number 13, is that a small percentage of Atlantean people escaped by way of ships and even rafts cast off to foreign shores where they would assimilate and share Atlantean knowledge and spread news of the island catastrophe that would later be misinterpreted as disaster myths like the Great Flood told in the book of Genesis. Like, I don't understand, one, how he comes up with these, and two, why he's so convinced that they're true. You know what I mean? Because he's just this American congressman. What do you know about any of this shit? It's just like his great imagination fueled by racism constructed all of these ideas that he's passing off as fact. Yeah. And these like scientific hypotheses that don't actually make any sense at all. Again, science was still very primitive. And also he's surrounded by other pseudo-scientists and other mm-hmm. people who were... This is a time when like people were like making up specializations. They were just like, yeah, I study mm-hmm. magical... The occultist thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Whatever they're studying, they made it up. Right. Because no one else was spearheading it. So they're like, I guess I can do it, even though I'm a congressman from Minnesota. Right. You know, because I'm interested in it. I imagine this man going to a party and they ask like, what he does. And he's like, oh, I'm a pseudo-historian. And they're like... Oh, cool. Like, where'd you get your degree if you're a historian? And he's like, I I just self-study. Yeah, the school of hard knocks, of course. Right. Back then, he would just say, I'm a historian. Right. You know, we are calling them pseudo-historians. He'd be like, I'm an expert in Atlantean uh, folk beliefs and such. (laughs) But yeah, so like, they took a very, they're very self-serious about it. Yeah. So, closing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Each of Ignatius Donnelly's hypotheses could be easily discredited today thanks to the tremendous advancements in science and our modern understanding of history, all of which came about in the nearly 200 years since Donnelly was running for Congress and promoting conspiracies. In Donnelly's time, the country was just dusting off the remnants of magic and superstition, and industrialization had just rounded out in America and the majority of citizens couldn't even read. In this between time, the expansion of science and medicine and technology was met with an uptick in spiritualism and magical thinking. Old habits die hard, and so as the dawn of a new age brought society out of the dark ages, some had to be dragged, clawing at the last bits of shadow and mystery. These people were rejecting the emerging reality of a world whose mysteries could be measured and where science threatened to solve ancient secrets. 
the common worldview would slowly be broken, rearranged, and put back together in the centuries to follow. And even today, there are things that can't be explained or rationalized. But Atlantis, at least the Atlantis of Ignatius Donnelly, isn't one of those things. Yes. Luckily, science knows now that all of us came from the same humans. That's right. Same planet. What happened to your hair? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for you to say something for so long. I felt like an anime character for a minute because it was like just sticking out straight (laughs) to the side. Look at your hair. (laughs) What the the hell? (laughs) (laughs) I would not approach you in public if you had that hair. Uh, I look like I've gone through a tornado. I tried to take a screenshot, but it won't work. So I think... The real takeaway here from Atlantis is don't shy away from your imagination, right? Let your creative side go wild, but not in the excuse of racism. Racism is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And also, we're all starseeds. Potentially, yes. Um, We came from the Lyrian, Lyrian star system. Yeah. And now a portion of us live on Mars. Some of us, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of us, the best of us, I'd say. The best of us, yeah. That happens. It happens. And not just racism, but also, let's say, like, anti-fact. Yeah. Don't dismiss the facts. Mm-hmm. And we all, here's the thing, like, we all want there to be an Atlantis. Yeah. It comes down to that. We all, yeah, of course, we all want that. But is that possible? Mm. Probably not. Does the facts show it? No. And that's okay, because maybe, maybe there is it somewhere, but yeah. certainly not the one that we're talking about today. Atlantis, as we know it, probably didn't exist. And that's okay, because we had another civilization that already died there. So that's we still right, got is... what we wanted in the end, which was a devastated entire group of people. Yeah. We learned our lesson. So aren't you happy? Be happy with what you got. Yeah, that's, well, that's the real lesson, you know, because maybe you have <laughs> hair that resembles Albert Einstein. <laughs> Wow, quite closely, um, actually. Very closely, very wild. And then in the back is just like plateau. It's <laughs> <laughs> a steep drop. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my good vibe for today. Oh, yeah, we did a good vibe. Yeah, my good vibe is my Albert Einstein hair with a flat back. Yes, yes. You can't see it, but the hair is quite wild. Mm-hmm. Kind of. How does that even happen? I put it in a bun. Okay. Uh, my good vibe is... Rude waiters, people who can make a living by being horrible. Most of the upper class, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nine elites. Let's leave the elites out of this. Jeremy is a true lover of democracy and capitalism. I love the free market. I love it. <laughs> and I love pollution and I love <laughs> problematic institutions. <laughs> Same. That's how we do this, isn't it? Hell yeah. We, we do this to feed... The patriarchy. We do this to nurse from the teat of <laughs> Lady Liberty. Uh, on that note, thank you to all of our patrons for paying for us to do this. Yeah, thank you. Um, and super helpful to spreading the uh, white narrative. So, <laughs> oh you... God, cut that out! Cut that out for sure. <laughs> if you would like to support us, Patreon is a great way to do it. Thank you again to our patrons for suggesting this episode on Atlantis. Review us on iTunes and help other people find our show. Yeah. You can also rate us on Spotify now. If you go to the Mm. the homepage of the podcast, there's a star rating system. Cool. And you can rate us. Nice. 
do that too. Because when you rate us like that, especially through iTunes, um, it makes it easier for people to find us because we get more buzz. Right. Buzz, buzz, buzz. And it shows up higher, you know, on the search ratings and things like that. Yeah. It also helps the spammers who always email us because they're like, you're number 79 on the podcast rating for culture. And it's like, all right, thanks. Yep, yep. And it's like, hey, you're number four in society and culture in Lithuania. Right. It's like, oh, that's fantastic. All right, thank you so much. Also confusing, <laughs> but yeah. You can also stay up to date on all of our episodes by following us on Instagram or Facebook at According to an Idiot or our Twitter at Idiots Accord. You can also send us an email at According to an Idiot at gmail.com. Yes, write us, tell us what you want to hear. Let us know what you thought about the episodes. We also have our Discord where we can fast chat if that's what you're looking for. I was going to say, though, I'm just feeling this, and I feel like looking at your, you and your hair right now as well over the webcam. Every time we finish an episode, I feel like I have the flu. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm, I'm just sweating in my sweatpants right now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've been here for hours, and I don't know if we have. Two hours. It's been two hours. Okay, okay. Two hours of nonstop chatting snorting laughing farting and you know you're like regurgitating all that mucus in your head so that's right it makes sense that's right well i hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it yeah i hope that you enjoyed our regurgitation of the myth of atlantis the legend we'll gurge whenever you want to we'll see you next time yeah thank you so much for listening i will see you in time Hey, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>